This episode of That Record Got Me High is sponsored by Is This Tomorrow. Is This Tomorrow, a weekly web comic, features absurdist humor and seriously silly amusement keyed to the sophisticated palette of discerning listeners like you. Since migrating online in 2003, Is This Tomorrow has always been absolutely free with no annoying advertising or paywalls. Visit isthistomorrow.com. You'll find hours of archived entertainment, hundreds of comics to distract from work, responsibilities, or just the existential pain of being alive. Dig through the archive for special Halloween comics, autobiographical strips, and even some in Anaglyph 3D. And check out our Society6 merch page for lots of Is This Tomorrow swag. Society6 forward slash Is This Tomorrow. New strip every Monday. Now in color. IsThisTomorrow.com All right, here we are. Another episode of That Record Got Me High. That's Barry Stock. That's Rob Elba. And uh, welcome back. And uh, we have a special episode today. We have a special guest, and her name is... Holly Tavel from... Holly. Holly from Orlando. How you doing, Holly? <laughs> Good. Good. Now, how do you and Barry... now? an expert. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we had you on to be the expert, so go ahead. Just start talking and be an expert, please. And we'll tell you when to stop. So how did you, uh, Barry, obviously, uh, you know Holly. I, I've never met Holly, but how, how do you and Holly... Uh, well, we're both, um, we both came up through the fledgling Orlando uh, punk rock new wave alternative music scene. Would you nice. say that's an accurate description? Holly? Yeah. Y- yeah. yeah. <laughs> and are you a musician, Holly, or what do you do? Yeah, well... I'm mainly a writer, um, a fiction writer, and I teach, um, and I also uh, do freelance, you know, editing and stuff like that. Um, but I played in a couple of bands in Orlando, a band called Shock, and then a band called Obliterati, which broke up in 2000 and then got back together in 2000, uh, like 13. And then I quit <laughs> again. You quit music altogether, like playing? No. Well, I quit the band again, and then. But I'm still really good friends with them. I go out to all their shows, and you know, I support them. But yeah, I really. You just couldn't. You just hadn't right had again. enough of. Yeah, bands can be challenging. Well, yeah. Yeah, it was just a lot of. You know, there was a lot of old habits that we had established, bad habits that we had established, and dynamics that we had established the first time around. That, yep. You know. Uh, I uh, think weird. that, that like, sounds familiar. What? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you're friends with somebody, you're friends with people, and you get along with them, but then when you get into a band situation, it's like all this crazy. Yes. Uh, and that band, especially because it was a classic case of too many cooks in the kitchen, just a lot of really strong personalities. Yeah, I, I, some of the, I'm, seven, a, I'm aware of you, two of those, yes. So, I, yeah. We have seven people in the band, Ooh. you guys. Oh, wow. And if there this was... was uh, Obliterati? Obliterati. Obliterati? Yeah. yeah. Now, what kind of band were they? What kind of music was it? Well, it was, um, and is, I would say, like, heavily influenced by... No wave, right, exactly. And by like mutant jazz and yeah. stuff like that. Like, oh, kind of okay. Mutant disco. Yeah. Yeah, like a very 
a sort of a, a lot of early '80s um, post-punk influence right. influences. Yeah. But then everything kind of mixed up in the kitchen sink, and um, we actually recorded one CD that was released in 1998. Okay. Uh, 20 years ago, and we were on the we were on a label that was called Whirly Bird that was started by Simeon from the Silver Apples, and we actually played with him when he did sort of a comeback. Okay. Before we were his backing group. Okay. For a couple of shows. Yeah. All right. And I guess so that, that was, was uh, um, and did you, uh, I mean, you didn't have to get on the road with uh, Obliterati too much, I don't think, right? Well, we did. We, we, we did a tour that was basically, I don't remember how many dates, but it was basically up the East Coast. We played in, in Maxwell's in New Jersey, in Hoboken. Um, we played North Carolina, South Carolina, New Orleans places like that. I mean, we didn't really go far afield. We mostly kind of played around the saddles and the East Coast. Okay. That sounds, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you were actually somebody we know. um, There was an online disagreement with uh, someone we know who managed a famous, infamous rap artist. He's going to, Rob's going to know exactly what I'm talking about. And there was an online argument. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) And actually, um, one of the people making the, the an argument actually posted an obliterati live clip as a retort to this individual uh-huh. and it was it was pretty effective oh, <laughs> so that's uh, right that okay now rob, now it's all coming together yeah, for me right rob knows what i'm talking about i can't i don't want to uh, piss anybody off right now so yeah we will later uh, later in the uh, podcast all right so let's go we haven't even mentioned what we're doing yet so yes, holly right. what is the what is the rec- what is the band and what is the record you brought to that record got me high i'm talking to me we are <laughs> Introduce the album that you chose. Okay, the album is is, is by a band called Felt, um, and it's called The Strange Idols Pattern and Other Short Stories. Yeah, and it was released in 1984. Very good. You're um, right. You got everything right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So the band and Felt. They're, they're kind of a they're kind of a legendary band amongst a certain subset of people who consider themselves to be in the no musically. Yeah, I'm you one know? of the I'm I'm one of those. Yeah, I guess they yeah. they were they were kind of a cult. They were around like the the whole 80s, like they started pretty much like yeah. in, in 80 or 81 and they lasted right. through, through the end of the 80s, but they never they never broke past a certain level. But I always, I, but but um, anyone who liked mu- like uh, alternative music, listened to college radio in the '80s, you heard felt because they had that one song, uh, "A Primitive Painter," right. that they did with uh, with Elizabeth uh, Fraser from uh, Cocteau Twins, mm-hmm. and that song right. was all over college radio. And everyone, you, I guarantee, you, if you were into right. that music, you then you that heard song. that song. You'll hear it. You go, oh yeah, I remember that, that song. That song. Exactly. And it's a great song. And it was on their their next record after this one. Yeah. Uh, that was produced by the by the other guy by um, <laughs> which Robin Guthrie of the cocktail. And I believe that okay. The, another interesting thing about Lauren, I'll go ahead and spill the beans about yeah, Felta, the, the, the singer, the um, primary, the prime mover of Felt is a guy who has one, goes by one name, and uh, it's the rather unassuming Lawrence L A W R E N C E. And uh, I don't, we he's an odd. Individual. Uh, yeah, the, the more you like try and find out about him, the more like you could tell this guy was a nut. He was. 
Which might explain, do you think I'm their non-hit status? Because listening to the record now, listening to this album now, I can't imagine how this wasn't huge. Well, I can't. See, yeah. as we get through it, I can, actually. And I have reasons. I have my own reasons, I think, why they never did get to a okay. certain level and do that. Okay. I definitely has as much as I do appreciate it and like it myself. But, Holly, so was this the, the first thing you heard by Felt, or were you already a fan of them? This was their third uh, you record. Know, I'm not. I'm not sure because um, I'm trying to drag my mind back to the mid '80s because that's when I first heard it. You know, I heard it pretty much when it was contemporary. Um, right. I I was in high school. I graduated from high school in 1986, and so I started okay. getting into new wave or whatever you want to call it around um, early '83. So around. Um, Maybe even a little bit in '82, but in '82 I was in eighth grade, and yeah. and so when I got into high school was when I really started to like dress weird and be like, okay, I'm part of this subculture, yeah. you know. <laughs> and um, and so when I was around 15, and I pretty much heard it like probably the next year after it came out. So probably you know it took it took you know it's hard for people to remember, but it took music kind of a while to get to us exactly. You didn't have the internet, and, and, and imports were expensive. So yes. unless you had rich, rich friends, yeah. you, know, or you, were, uh, you know, how I most mainly got music was I taped it off the radio. I taped it off. I mean, Orlando was really lucky to have a really good, two really good college stations. Yes. We had WPRK and we had WPRK. Oh, yeah. yeah. See, thank yeah. God for that. Because I, I was thinking, how does someone in Orlando even hear about Velvet yeah. in 1985? Good question. It's like, uh... yeah. Totally. And I mean, well, you know, one of the guys in my band, Tony Christie, he used to be a DJ at, at WPRK in early, in the early 80s, yep. like 1980, I yes. guess. And he really played some incredibly obscure stuff. I yeah. Mean, I think I may have. Yeah. And all these I may have bands, mentioned. I was too yeah. young to. to you know. I may have mentioned anyway, Billy Taylor and I going down to W, you know, in, uh, during that era and banging on the window and, and getting let in into the booth at WPRK and you know Tony and yeah. the Dean were there and it was like you were in the inner sanctum so uh yeah yeah <laughs> right and so I discovered WCF and um I used to tape it every every weekend and I still have a bunch of tapes in fact I I have them right now because I found a bunch of them when I was cleaning out my parents helping my parents clean out their house and um so, you know, but I had some friends who were really um, into a little bit more obscure music than what you would see on MTV or what you would hear on college radio. You know, stuff yeah. that was not quite, it was a little bit, a little bit too esoteric even for life. Because college radio was pretty much well, yeah. sort of the usual suspect. I yeah. mean, I, I have tapes, it's like, when I, I look at, I'm looking at these little tapes, it's like, you know... It's massage and, and right. you know, a it lot was, of Yeah, it was stuff that may have been a hit in England R. and R. sort of, yeah. Or, but, right, I was just going to say R.E.M. for sure. Um, yeah. Let's see, who else? Oh, Smiths. The Smiths. Love Tractor. Love Tractor, yeah. All and those, I got a all secret for you. Um, what, uh, Mike Richmond from Love Tractor, Mike, if you're listening to this, you know, you're not going to be able to disagree. He's a huge Felt fan. So, oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. There's a big so, influence anyway. there. So I had a I had a, a friend of my so I had my best friend my best gay friend and then his best straight male friend who they went to high school together because you know we didn't all my friends like we didn't go to the same high school like we met via this 
this uh, like a new wave dance club that we used to go to called yeah. Electric Avenue. Oh my and, god! Um, wow, yeah, I remember that. Oh my it god! It was basically all the freaks, you know. Yeah. All the weird. I was just gonna say. So it was basically all the weirdos uh, finding each other. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so you know, and everybody went there. I mean, you had punk dudes with trihawks, and you had skater dudes, and you know, goth sort of. Right. Misfits. Like All the misfits. Three gospels and even a full fledged thing yet. No. So, yeah, all that. And so, my friend, so his uh, friend was really into stuff like Felt and Darudi Kala. Yeah. He turned me on to them. And so, yeah, I mean, he had, he had some really good, he had some really excellent taste in music. And I mean, that was how you, you, all of it was word of mouth. I mean, that was how you found any kind of music access. Especially in Orlando. Yeah. yeah, in uh, Orlando. Because Orlando, because we weren't like, even like Miami or, uh, uh, Atlanta, or Atlanta. Atlanta, you know, because it, we were just sort of the backwater still. And um, my, you know, sort of the things I found a lot of times was that Record City had a import, a box of import singles that were on the front counter and so, you know, every week those would become the new import singles would be in there and you'd go and look and say, oh, well, that's how I found XTC or, or that's how I found right. uh, uh, Susie and the Banshees. Yeah, and, I, and, and believe me when I tell you that we totally, we would buy music based on what the band looked like. We would <laughs> oh, yeah. <buy> <laughs> you based, you based really had to. Yeah, you had, album, you had to take a leap of faith. Tell, yeah. You, you can tell, like, is this going to be dreamy? I'm going to like, yeah, you say, oh, yeah. Yeah, you're like, I'm going to like this just from the cover. I know, and that's what, I was thinking the other day, that's what kind of sucks now. It's like, now, you hear about any band, you could look up on oh, yeah. YouTube and find clips and decide right away whether you like them or not. Yeah, but, but it but used to be uh, there was, a, you a mystery, more of a mystery. Sometimes yeah. you'd have to wait till a band came to your town. You'd, you'd like, heard about them, but you'd have to wait till they came yeah. so you could hear what they actually sounded like. Yep. That's so. something to be oh, said totally. for that. I mean... There are so many, and another thing that I remember vividly from that era is that we used to get um, the bookstores, the couple, I don't know if it was Walden Books or whatever the hell it was in the mall, you know? Yeah, well, probably. They used to get, they they used to get NME, and so I would buy NME, and I would look at the, the names of the bands that were in the, all of the bands that were like in the top forty in Britain were like Red Lorry, Yellow Lorry, right. and like oh, yeah. all of these new wave bands, you know. Yes. And I don't think actually, like I was just, and I've always been, um, you know, really attracted to language and to words, and you know, obviously I became a writer, and so yeah. you know, even like the name of a band, it was just like, oh my gosh, you know, that's so whatever so you know so I would basically and then I don't know when I ever if I there were some of these bands that I probably didn't hear until years and years later right um I remember I got I I had a felt album but I believe it was the first one and it was instrumental and I I liked it but I didn't after that I, I didn't pursue them at all and then really I didn't pay any attention to them to a few years ago when I was like oh felt oh yeah I remember them and then I started listening to this stuff, and I was like, oh my, yeah. this stuff is amazing. Now, can we talk right. really quickly about their name, about how he came up with the name? Because it, it, It's a it's great really story. Funny. It's yeah. very interesting. Go for it, Rob. <laughs> well, basically, he said the band... Hey, can you guys... 
Yeah. Sorry, I just, I'm going to just, I have to go plug my computer in, so I'm just going to get my portal. All right, you go, you go. We'll tell a story. You do you, Holly. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, you tell us. The band's name was inspired by uh, uh, Tom uh, Verlaine. By the way, Tom Verlaine put the emphasis on the word felt in the television song Venus. Yes. He goes, and I felt. And it's like, that's so amazing when you think this 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 kid, like, was obsessed with television, and he, and the, he heard that song, and just the way Tom Verlaine said the word felt. He said, "I'm gonna have because a, you, you, a always, you immediately felt. assume that it's the pr- it's the fabric." Yes, yeah, you think, yeah. Oh, right, felt. Right. Oh, it's about felt. Say, so, yeah, felt is nice. But he went and saw television in '78 when they toured England, and apparent it really stuck with him because oh yeah, and, Verlaine's and influence and his all- singing style is very. He's sort of like a, to me, he's like a cross between Tom Verlaine and uh, Marky Smith from The Fall. Yeah, and Rick. Oh, Kasich from the Cars. <laughs> okay, here's what I got: is I got Tom Verlaine and Bob Dylan. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And uh, he, wait, Tom Verlaine and wait, Tom Verlaine and who? Bob Dylan, in his delivery, Bob Dylan. in Lawrence's delivery. Yeah. But then Verlaine, yeah. Tom Verlaine is also sounding like Bob Dylan. So it's I just think it's impossible to overestimate the uh, the Tom Verlaine influence on Felt. He's a he was a fanatic. And the funny thing to me always was, um, and because I, when I did listen to Felt Records, was I, I actually find them in general superior to Tom Verlaine's solo records. So, oh his, really? I find his imitation better than the actual product. And, and I like some, to, yeah, I like some of Tom Verlaine's solo stuff, but it's very, it, it's very spotty. hit or miss. It's yeah. spotty. It's hit or miss. Some of the production so, is so eighties. So Holly, painful. you're a big Felt fan, but were you a, a television fan, or are you a are you a television fan of the band television? Well, I'm a television, I'm a television fan now, but you know, not as a right. teenager. Yeah, then, yeah. I, I really miss. I miss that era, and you know, it's so. It's now. I would say that my preference. When you're talking about that time period of new wave and post punk and the '80s in general. Um, I I vastly prefer like the very early '80s stuff. Like I like a lot of stuff from '80, '81, '79. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. The more like. It's it's no, they're they're, they're 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 experimenting more for sure. Yeah, there's an amazing um, website called Post Punk Odyssey. Post Punk Oddity. Okay. And um, it's an it's an A to Z of the most obscure <laughs> out there. You know, yes. really, it's amazing. I mean, they've got bands that are like although a lot of them are from Europe, and they have you know they have stuff like. There's some stuff you've heard of, like Swell Maps. And yeah, sure. Off hairs. Swell, like Swell Maps are um, on our list to be, uh, we're going to do a sm- Swell it, Maps record. So, some yeah. Of it really, some of it's wild, though. Like, I discovered this band called Comics, this C O M I X, that are from France, that were from France, and no, they were kind of like. Them. They were Devo, a, a little bit, a little bit like a combination of maybe like Devo and early Gary Newman with oh, like French a lyrics, a you know? French Devo. That's awesome. That sounds. I'm sold already. <laughs> yeah, totally. I want to hear a French Devo. And, um, <laughs> and and you know, so I so anyway, you know, I 
I've really gotten much more into that stuff, which I all, which all that whole era, I completely missed the boat because I just wasn't old you were, enough. Right, right, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I was in Orlando, you know. Right, uh, both of those things. <laughs> Two strikes. Yeah, yeah. And also, you it was so, a, you had a, it was an odd time because the '80s. So much of the '80s, even though a lot of it was great music, but they a, a lot of '80s bands, and I put this band definitely in there, are bands. That, it's like the classic British '80s bands that people like rock people, like people like Charlie. Picket would just make fun of, say, "Oh, oh my right, God!" Right, because, because they're so easy. Because they're kind of like a little, a little too overwrought yes, and a little sure. too, and it's also jangly yes, and uh, yeah. it's, it's just annoying to a lot of people. Yes, and I, I understand that. But it's like when you dig a little deeper, you realize uh, it's actually mm-hmm. the music. It's really great music, and it it's is. good. It's just of its own time. A lot of it sounds very like this. Also, I feel like it sounds kind of. You could definitely well, tell guitar- it's an eighties. The guitar thing. textures. I mean, some of the guitar effects are very 80s guitar effects. Yeah, there's yeah, some, right. a lot of chorus on there, and there's... Uh, um, yeah. It's, but... Um, so, we're... Well, well, this record, it was produced by uh, John Leckie, who also did Magazine. Oh, he yeah. did XTC's first record. Yeah. And he did the Benz by uh, Radiohead. He did, That's uh, right. Yeah, yeah. And he so, did, I think he did Black and White by The Stranglers. I think he might have oh. been one of those... Uh, done that. He's did. He did. John Lucky did a lot of albums. Did produce a lot of records that you would recognize. But um, and and this was the, their first record. Even it was their third record. It was the first one, I guess, where they used a proper drum set in the record. Because before this, they said they basically would use mostly like toms, just like toms and everything. This oh. was the first one where there's a full kit. A drum I kit did not realize that. that. Yeah. Well, that's um, what I, I saw it on the internet, and the internet's always 100 percent accurate. <laughs> so it's true. yeah. Okay. Yeah, take it to the bank. So uh, we should probably start. Uh, so, so, yeah, go ahead. So do you guys want? So I was I, I found this interview with um, someone named Tim Burgess. Who I'm not really. I guess he's from the Charlottes. But yeah. Anyway, I don't. Know. Oh, another great band, and another band that uh, John Lucky produced. Yeah. Too, the Charlottes. Yeah, the great band. Yeah, and so he was talking about Lawrence. It was an interview about felt, basically, and so he was right. talking about Lawrence. So, um, I thought there were some little things that I that I copied. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let us know what, oh, he yeah. Said, what he said about Lawrence, okay, because Lawrence so. was a character, for sure. Go ahead. Okay, Go. so Lawrence kicked a drummer out of the band for having curly hair. I saw that! <laughs> I saw that! He was the... Fr- uh, Tony Race, the original and- drummer Tony Race was kicked out because he had curly hair. <laughs> Which, by the way, I'm, I'm totally down with. I could, uh, okay. I'm down with that. I can yeah, understand Yeah, sure that. you are, buddy. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I... I mean, I would, have the to see the hair. I, would, I would have to see the hair before I right. really have to judge them, you know? That's um, great. That sounds like a Marky another, Smith thing, for sure. Like, he would do that, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. yeah, yeah. Good. And then another, another, another one was, he, he, his refute, he refused to move out of first gear while driving to his show. Oh, no, no. Oh, no. Wow. And he refused to eat anything but meat. Meat only. That was the Steve Albini diet, I think, for a while, too. Uh, All he ate was meat. All these weirdo, weirdo musicians. Yeah, I think, I think Lawrence is really, really genuinely a, a, an eccentric. I don't think he's... Well, the, but, Putting on it all. There's yeah. a, the recent that article in Noisy. Barry, there's a recent article yeah. in Noisy because he's got a new project now called uh, 
go-kart Mozart, yeah. which is really bizarre. It's okay. kind of cool, but it's very it's strange. unique. You should yeah, definitely check it out, yeah. go-kart Mozart. But they described, in this article, they described him as a, a charmingly odd man, effortlessly polite, but slightly agitated. <laughs> a strange, slightly, slightly lonely figure who both relishes his role as the king of his council flat castle and finds it a drain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, how does, then, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. And then I also, I also read an interview with Morris Keybank, right, the guitarist. Yes. Which is unbelievably over the top. I just was, I, I mean, maybe we can talk about, I don't know how you want to, Show, you go. Later, no, let's go. You know what? They, they have like three instrumentals on the song, right, so, so there's not that much to, to talk, talk about right? in the actual song. So yeah. go ahead, yeah. do it. Let's. But more, Morris is um is autistic, and it really oh. comes across in the interview. Oh my God, it comes across. So if you've ever known anyone, I mean, I'm on the yeah, sure. spectrum. I know a lot of people who right. are very mildly. You know what I mean? Mildly honest. Barry. Sometimes I think Barry might be mildly, but yeah. that's that's another podcast. Yeah. I think I almost think like. I almost feel like between ADD and autism spectrum, it's almost like the rigor for anybody who's it is. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah, You've got to be. You've got to be an alien to some degree to do anything. Oh wow! I did not know. I did not know about that. uh, I didn't uh, either. But it does come across in the playing in a certain sense. He's really good. He's really good. Things. Yeah. But very. Precise. He's almost like a like a Johnny Marr, but but like sort of like we got a classical. A yes, there's a yes. classical. Well, that's that's the thing. And then he talks about how then pop music wasn't even allowed in their house when he was growing up, uh-huh. and you know he's classically trained at a conservatory. And he oh, has okay, very, so he has all that. He has that background. Yeah, yeah, and he has this very like he has this absurdly. Um, haughty kind of tone, but yet <laughs> you kind of, it's forgivable because it's, it is a very autistic thing right, that you like right. to self-absorbed, yes. but yet yeah. Oh God! Could you imagine him, artist. this guy, and, and the Lawrence. Lawrence guy together in right. one band? Right. That must have been uh, unbelievable. Right. Imagine being in, in, in a, a studio in a recording studio yeah, in a uh, band with them. <laughs> Poor uh, Mick Lloyd, the I bass mean, player. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'll read you some excerpts. Yeah, yeah go yeah, for go it, ahead, do it. It's seriously insane. Um, do it, come on, Holly, read them. You're right, we're on. Mine is mine. All right, well... <laughs> Talk amongst yourself because I got to figure out where it is. Okay. Well, actually, while you're looking at that, I want to mention real quickly that we have a a Patreon now. Patreon is is a way for people to support it. If you listen to, let's be honest now, if you listen to this thing pretty much every week, you listen to us, you could you could stand to maybe give us a little a little bit. So Patreon is a way to do that. Yeah, just a smidge for like twenty five cents an episode, you become a a patron, basically a patron. So it's Patreon.com forward slash. TRGMH, or you can go to patreon.com and just search that record got me high and you'll find our Patreon. And I, I have to do a shout out to our first patron, which is Paul Raub. Uh, I've known Paul Raub. He's a musician. He lives somewhere in Melbourne now for some, for some reason. Yeah, well, I have no idea sure. where he lives in Melbourne. People do live there. But uh, I knew him. I've known him for like uh, 20 years. He used to play in a band down here called Crash Basket. And he's a musician. He's a really, uh, he's a great singer songwriter. He may be on the spectrum too now that we're talking about that. Oh, okay. Yeah. I probably shouldn't say it. Maybe yeah, we'll, right. we'll, we'll cut that out. Yeah, he's going to take thank the three. You, uh, Is there a way for me to take my <laughs> contribution back? <laughs> thank you Bye, so Paul much. Raub. <laughs> thank you so much, Paul, for being our patron. And go to patreon.com. TRGMH and uh, you know help us out a little. Uh, so how are we doing, Holly? 
Good. So um, to give credit where um, credit were due, um, this uh, this is from a, a website called OutsideLeft.com. Okay. And the title of the article is, this is how Morris Seabank felt. And um, I don't know, the, the, the byline just says ancient champion, so I don't know who that is. Okay. But the interviewer asked him about uh, what... For the economics, it felt like it has that stack up having been the co-founder of a legendary band. And he just says that they were on a small label. Label He never expected to make any money, et cetera, et cetera. But then he always suggested mar- marketing, and there was no marketing. They didn't <laughs> yeah. do anything like that. And then he says, then he says um, um, I never... I was never understood and felt. As the co-founder of the group, I naturally should have been listened to where the decision-making process was concerned, but there was an appropriation of power and my leadership rights were violated. Oh, In effect, I had, I had been hoodwinked. Oh, I had been led no. to believe that I was one of two leaders starting a project, but once in, I was just used for what only I could do. It was like being in a cult in which you have promises made to you, but everything quickly turns sour and you end up being controlled. It was only with the passage of time that the full import of what had been going on all that time finally impinged itself on me. Greater wow. wisdom through life experience finally revealed the terrible truth to me, how shallow youth can be. Oh, wow. He basically uh, describing my experience here on this podcast with Barry, too, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm kidding. Right. I'm kidding. Yeah. That was I'm a, a joke. I'm a, I have my cult-like influences. <laughs> stands far and wide. Wow. <laughs> There's a little bit of a tone throughout this article, of a little bit of grandiosity wounded. Yes. Right, 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 right. Which, Lawrence, it's funny and, that he... Uh, yeah, it, it, oddly it, enough, <laughs> some of Lawrence's lyrics, there ain't... I wanted to say about this record, these... Okay, we talk about, you know, songwriters, can they write about... They write about situations, or they write about places, or they write about all kinds of things, but some songwriters just write about other people and what other people have done and my question about this was like who is Lawrence's I'm I suspect this entire album that there's one target that he's talking about <laughs> Maurice this Maurice guy I think I, I, well I don't know no, well, now that you mention it I, that could be I felt like some of them maybe even though it yeah. seems like he's singing to someone he's sort of singing to he's himself talking, too. He, oh, I think he's self-confessing as well right, about right, right. his there's own some of that failings also. But um, these guys now, were mess. This band, they, they forget about uh, like um, yeah. Metallica had therapy. This, this is band <laughs> well, probably this, needed therapy. This answers questions to me about like, why didn't they ever tour the U.S. or why didn't they oh, ever? Because you can just imagine what trying to organize something like that when you have these two characters are basically in charge, and uh, so. Um, all right, so let's take. Uh, we're about the halfway point, so let's take a little break. We'll come back and we will actually go through the record and go through all these crazy, strange songs, strange, beautiful songs. Yes, they and, are. And uh, more with Holly, and uh, we'll be back in a minute. Okay. This week's episode of, of That Record Got Me High is brought to you by Is This Tomorrow? Is This Tomorrow started out as a comic that ran in the Tallahassee, Florida college paper, The Florida Flambeau, in 1991. After running a number of strips, the editor became infuriated with the content of the strip, finding it inappropriate for the readers of a college paper. After a strip about a bachelor party where Barney Rubble was killed after an argument with a pimp, ITT was no more. Luckily, many of these early strips that survived are available on the isthistomorrow.com website in the archives. In the past 15 years, Is This Tomorrow has appeared weekly, though the format has changed. The current strips are in a full color and focus on current events and the absurdity of modern life. 
Many of the strips in the archive cover genres such as science fiction, satire, horror, biography, humor, and true crime. ITT has no paywalls and no fees required to enjoy. So make ITT the second window open on your computer at work that you minimize when your boss boss walks up to your cubicle. Is this tomorrow.com and for associated merchandise, society6.com forward slash is this tomorrow. That's is this tomorrow.com. Five, four, three, two, one. That record got me high. We're back from our break where uh, we talked about all sorts of salacious. Innuendo that we can talk about, yes, on the air, yes. Maybe but, for maybe uh, Patreon, be, become a patron, and maybe we'll maybe we'll there do we a go. special, yeah. We'll, we'll let you. We'll, we'll record the, the middle. We'll record the breaks, yeah, and we'll feed you the breaks. You get to hear what we'll we talk about. We just talk shit about every everyone we know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Holly, we're here talking to Holly Tavel. Tavel, Holly, your last name's Tavel. Am I saying it correctly? Travel, like like travel with no R. I oh, got good. bingo. Yes, perfectly. I was saying correctly, and I thought so. All and right, so let's get into this goddamn record already. Let's do yeah. it, man. <laughs> Felt. Yeah. The first song is called Roman Litter. Yes. And wh- wh- right away, I have no idea. I'm confused. What do you think about that title? I mean, the, the lyrics are totally sensible. You sort of understand. But Roman Litter, any, any, any clue about that? Anybody? Sorry? Did you any clue about the title, Roman litter? I well, mean, a litter, a, a litter is something that's used to carry. You know, like you know the um, what's it called? Like the um, it's like a seat. To sure, on, where you get people to carry trouble. you. Sure, you get two people. Two people to carry you around. Oh, yeah. I didn't know. See, that's why we have writers on the show as guests. See, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I did not know that. But I don't. I mean, yeah. I, it could be literal like No, like, I don't think Roman I think you're right. No, your thing your thing sounds better. <laughs> I think it is, but uh Roman litter on the do you know a place where we can say Roman litter on the way? So someone's coming to uh, And he there's uh, these song and I think it was mentioned that his there's his songs tend to be downers and that later on um on um, some of the later records, the music might be much more upbeat, but the lyrics there's still a a dark quality to to his uh, oh, yeah. songcraft. Things he's trying to work through with all this shit, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know how well he's it's working. When I close my eyes, I see a world of darkened skies filled with terror and surprise. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> um, and but will you do one? Th- and the one thing that's cool about this song. Is he's um, he's ta- talking to someone? Uh, can you stop that game? I see your mode is playing. You just want to stop the rain, hey! Uh, but he says, but, "But that's what will you do? One thing now: tell everybody I'm all right." I know. See that to me is is the is the key. He's telling them, "Will you j- just do one thing?" He said, "You try and say it's over. That's all right. But will you do one more thing now? Tell everyone I'm all right." Right. So, like, so it's like he's worried more about people's perception than the actual. He's, right. he's okay. The relationship's ending. He's yeah. okay with the that. He just wants. To, please tell everyone. That yeah. I'm tell all everybody right. I'm not gonna you know yeah. off myself. I, I think was mm-hmm. the I, was the implication I got. Um, but push through these doors of mine. You know he's. Um, he, I think he's. He probably realizes that he's not just an ordinary cat. 
<laughs> no, from. Lawrence is not. No. Um, but but uh, the song is very, yeah, the lyrics are kind of dark, but the music itself is very jaunty and poppy. It's it like, is. It's really, it's, and a, there's it's a, a nice I would song. say that Lawrence probably, I, I'm going to guess he had to have heard R.E.M. because they had been around since, I mean, pretty much 80, 83, 82. And then Rob's phone yeah, so... And um, because there are some there are some things in here that are to me either he's listened to exactly the same things that Peter Buck and REM did, or he's heard REM and that he likes that sound because there's some guitar lines, or or maybe the guitarist likes uh, there's things that are very REMish and things that are, um, but only in passing. In general, they sort of they they have their own sound. Uh, and it um, it's not quite like anyone else's. It's uh, and the 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 word that gets used most often for felt sound is sort of crystalline or crystalline. And because the guitars are clean and perfectly picked, there's no mistakes, there's no distortion, and there's these sort of um, almost um, classical lines that weave in and out of the songs uh, that are, are quite unique. And speaking mm-hmm. of the classical lines, we come to the second song, which is already an instrumental, one of the first instrumental on the record. And yes. How do you pronounce this title? Septimternal Darkness. And I looked up the word septimternal, and... Well, septimternal means, like, twilight, like it's half-light. I think so. Well, the, I, I, it, it to me, it was... what the the. I think I was in the car when I looked it up. I apologize. I'm going to go with Holly. First of all, Holly sounds smarter <laughs> than you, Barry. So I think Holly's. I don't think. Right. I don't think there's going to be any. Yeah, doubt about that. <laughs> but um, I thought it meant something to do with eternal eternity or eternal darkness or continuous. But that was me sitting on Andrews Avenue in Fort Lauderdale at the stoplight looking yeah, you it up. Be, uh, don't do that. Don't do your podcast homework in your car. <laughs> but it's a beautiful instrumental. It has... Um, no, you're right. It's eternal and unchanging, everlasting. But I don't know why I thought it was like... Uh, you know, I think the word you're thinking like, of... Crepuscular? Crepuscular is the... <laughs> crepuscular. Crepuscular, yeah. Crepuscular is post-Twilight. I, I actually, I use the word crepuscular in one of my stories, not in a, and it, it, not seriously. I use it in a joking. What way. the funny thing about the word crepuscular is that it it doesn't sound like what it, it doesn't sound like what it is. It has sort of an odd no, sound. It sounds, sounds like something you have to go get sounds, removed. removed. <laughs> it sounds like yeah, it does. It sounds like oh, you should go to the dermatologist. Yes. And see about that. Yeah, but. Uh, you, yeah, go ahead. Are you gonna play? Are you gonna play? Uh, yeah, I'll play. Songs? I'm gonna. I'll mix the. Yeah, we. I'm. I. He edit. mixes the music in. Uh, thanks for listening, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I do mix yeah. the music, the songs up, up underneath at the appropriate time, so that we don't have to worry about doing it during the show, which yeah. would be uh, uh, the word. Clus- oh, oh, oh. The word clusterfuck would be an understatement yeah. of what it would if we tried to do oh, it during so the show. I, okay. So in other words. You're going to edit that in. That's correct. I edit <laughs> okay, this put, uh, after the fact, and 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 we're going to edit you out, proving that you've never listened to our podcast. In the first place. We're going to Rob is that. Rob is offended, but I'm I'm not offended. I know how it goes. Well, anyway, I want to I want to talk about that song, um, "Supernatural Darkness." Okay, is that a song that has haunted my dreams for thirty years? Really? I mean, wow. There's something about it that is so. 
so nostalgic. It's just, it's like this, I don't know, you know, it's like everyone's memory. It's like okay. some place that you've never been, but you kind of have to remember. Uh, ah, yeah. dream. Like, like in a dream, you wake up from a dream and you're like, oh, I've been to that place and it just evaporates. Well, yeah, the instrumentals on this record yeah. are very cinematic they do they really paint a picture of they something do. so even without words yeah the instrumental and another very, thing uh, that uh, about these in, this that instrumental uh, uh, um, is that there I, I did notice there are some Captain Beefheart guitar instrumentals that have sort of the same like Captain Beefheart would have these you know crazy uh, avant blues songs with him screaming yeah. crazy shit over it um, but they well, would be, Morris, yeah. Well, Go ahead. Well, Morris Beebank, Morris Beebank, so in his interview, in this interview I read with him, he says that he's very into Steve Hill. He was very into Steve Hillage. Okay. How? And I guess, I don't know when he was being, but I feel like that he said something like, you know, uh, Poppy's been well in the house, but I don't know. His parents went away, and he was like watching Top of the Pops, or I don't know what he was watching. But anyway, he was he he said that he was exposed. I guess this was in the early seventies, so that was like a formative moment for him. So I do hear that in his in that song. I, I hear like a seventies. Yeah, it's right. It's, it's, well, it does have a. And now that you mentioned Steve Howe and Steve Hillage, both of those things make a lot of sense. And the composition mm-hmm. of it, and um, it's extremely cool. It's extremely cool. It's great. I was, you know, listening to the record again uh, on the way out here from my house, and th- that song is just—it's just an amazing. And you can even maybe, imagine, it'll, uh, maybe it'll start haunting your dreams for the next thirty. Uh, years my dreams have been really spectacular. <laughs> let me tell you lately. Let's, let's not. We won't go there. All right. So let's go. We got into the third song, which has words again, and it's called Spanish House. And, I love uh, this song. Yeah, it, it's great, but again, the words are very enigmatic, and I I, I don't understand what's going. on. Well, he's, he goes through us a, 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 a bunch of, and I had a theory about this record that he was using, um, well, especially on this song, sort of um, uh, Renaissance or like Spanish conquistador imagery to yeah. describe a, a relationship. And so he's trying to blend these two sort of incompatible things. And so you've got these different sins that the Spanish might have committed during their, you know, their various reigns of terror. Right, because it's because he's listing. What, what are the things he lists? Pes- uh, petulance, bribery, pestilence, injury, insanity, the treachery of this crown jewel phase. Believe me, it's what we're heading for. <laughs> and so don't go to the Spanish house. That was, And then you go, okay, that makes you think, okay, well... What's the Spanish house? Yeah. Any clues, Holly? Help us out. You got us with the. Uh, uh, you're our. You're our. You're our, our savior on these. The Spanish house. What's he talking about? Me? Yeah. No idea. Our other guest with an even worse phone connection. That's what we we're asking. So you don't know either. Let's don't go because you know it's a trap. Don't go. No. On the galleon sea, I mean, it's a mystery. But it's a great. I mean, it's the song. Everything I think fits together. About drugs. Me, I, I think everything's about drugs. So I think every song is like. Oh, it's all drugs, oh, really? <laughs> okay. Oh. Well, yeah, yeah, I guess like, so. That's, well, see, I don't know. Was, just, is is he a drug guy? He seems like someone that should be on like medication, but well, uh, prescribed. Yeah, medication. I don't think any of them. I don't. 
Yeah, I definitely don't see them as like a drug band. No, no, I didn't either. That's why, yeah, I didn't see them as a drug band. I heard somewhere that Lawrence romanticized heroin addiction, and I wanted to be a... I, I'm chunky, but I guess it didn't work out. I but. feel yeah. I feel like he like wanted to be a lot of things. Well, like he said he says in the interview, I just wanted to be famous, right? And when you yeah. when you see him and you you know you see their live performances, which they were they they had they had a great live sound, but they're not they're not doing the things that you do to to become famous. And yeah. uh, right, right. Um, well, like, well, for the first round, we're putting all these goddamn instrumentals on it now. Well, true. The next That's song true. on here now is another instrument. It's a great, it's a great instrumental, and I like the instrumentals. Definitely give the whole record a, a mood. It's fun to listen they to the do. whole record because uh, so you have this song called Imprint, which is a short song, but it makes a it it it. it uh, I think it's called Imprint because it's kind of like it's very shimmery. It's yeah, very it is, pretty. Yeah. And, uh, it's a, like an it's er, nice. and it's also um, like a, a Eric Settee uh, Jim mm-hmm, Novody, yeah. very much so. He's oh, definitely heard yeah. that, that in there. Uh, the the major seventh chords are in there, and uh, it's it's very much like something like that. But it, it's very different than uh, and I'm set, how my, how's, how do you septimternal septimternal darkness. It's very different yeah. than the first instrumental, right, and right. tonally, mm-hmm. it feels it feels very different. Um, yeah, and uh, and now we get to number five, which is the which is oh. the arguably the the hit of the record. It's it's just well, it's a yeah. really yeah. it's a really great song called "Sunlight Bathed the Golden Glow." Yeah. And what a great title! What a, well, uh, speaking yeah. just real quick, I got to say about the titles. Did you guys the, the the last felt record, which came out in 1989, called "Train Above the City"? He didn't. Lawrence didn't have any musical involvement at all. All he did was he contributed the song titles, <laughs> and he was apparently in the studio. He was he was there when they were recording it. So I mean, he was really good at coming up with song titles. He, he so. was. But this, aside from being a great title, "Sunlight Bathed in the Golden Glow," it's a great song because it's and like they, oh, first subtle, opening, but yeah, catchy oh as hell. The opening lines: "You're trying to fool somebody, but you end and up I, fooling you yourself." Know, I really think that. You know, for me, is again, like being a writer, I've always been attracted to interesting song titles, weird band names, you know, poetic lyrics, things right. like that, you know? Yeah. Um, like when I when I later on got into Serial Lab, it was like my favorite, pretty oh, much my yeah. favorite band of all time. Yeah. Um, you know, they have these incredibly evocative, weirdo song titles. Right, I mean, that right. to me yeah. is as much a part of the experience of a band yeah. as... As the music, you know, it, you're right, um, and the persona, and, and all of that, you know, and I really, and I do feel like that that felt in this album, you know, it is there is like a darkness and a melancholy, but it's also very much like a daytime record, like it's yeah. a record that yeah. I think about driving in a car yeah. and listening to it with a bright, brilliant sun, like through some yeah. backwoods area. That's you know, the feel. Cow field. That is totally yeah, the feel. It's it's um it's not urban. It's not an urban sound. It's no. kind of a rural or like suburban England kind of it sound is. and like very much during the day. You yeah, know? I, I, I agree. It they and it they they it's evocative in a way that is not um that is unique to I mean, if you listen to their albums tend to evoke that feeling generally. There but I, I mm-hmm. um 
I have to say about sunlight, sunlight bathed the Golden Glow, and I'll pump this. I'll bump this up uh, while we're talking about it. The, the actual there's a single version of this song that is to- quite different and could have sounds like to my ears a, could have been a huge hit. It's got it's incredible background vocals. It's got this sort of new wave intro right, and guitar right. and it, it he reworks the tune in a way that I just I, I can't believe I've never heard this before well even even this song though if you listen listen to this song listen to the beginning of it the music before he sings and just imagine like Morrissey coming in and singing or Robert Smith from The Cure. It would have been a and hit. It, it would have been a hit. Yeah, it's just when this guy yeah. comes in. Well, I think, it's like, I think you're right. It's just going to turn off a certain. Like I, we appreciate it, but you're it's right. going to turn off a lot vocally, of people. Yeah, vocally, Lawrence was maybe an acquired taste, and we've just Definitely acquired the an taste. Acquired taste. Yeah. And well, we've acquired the taste of a lot of things that yeah. most people want. And um, <laughs> that's so, why we're friends. Basically, yeah, that's how we do this. Um, and. But that particular, if you could, and it, I don't know where else to find it, frankly, except on YouTube. It's all but if YouTube. you go Sunlight Bade the Golden Glow um, single, there's the background vocals are amazing. The arrangements uh, yeah, are amazing. amazing. It's, 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 it's incredible. And so it's a. Yeah. And there's that, that, image of, that image of Lawrence uh, wearing a. A jaunty hat. Yes. Men wearing wearing important hats. Yes. Yes, definitely. Well, yes. he made an. You know. I think they were making. He was making his version of an attempt at being famous, but it was so far removed from what it actually takes to be famous that it, it just was not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know. And, uh, all right. So now we get into the next song. Is called Vasco. Da Gama. Vasco da Gama, another Spanish, and yeah. I, you know, my, my I, I'm, I didn't look up Vasco da Gama. Was he one of the? Was he? He was an explorer, correct? Yeah. And he was, he, um, didn't he do? Didn't he do a bunch of stuff in uh, here in Florida? Uh, possibly. Uh, every time I think of Spanish explorers, I just think of smallpox-infected blankets being handed out, <laughs> and so I was yeah. assume. Yeah. Uh, Ponce de Leon. What about Ponce? Ponce de Leon? Yeah. Right. Same thing. Oh, uh, according to Wikipedia, he was the first uh, explorer, first European to reach India by sea. Oh, to India. Okay. okay. Yeah, in fourteen ninety nine. So, uh, but I feel like the lyrics don't really have anything to to, to no. do with that, really. Yeah, they're and, very uh, yeah. And, and and but the um, he's again talking about. A person, someone. Out of it all comes a sense of despair. Your head wears your mind, but your body is bare. You wake from your sleep and you know that it's true. You're starting to win, but the game's nearly over for you. Maybe this is self-confession. Mm-hmm. This one. Um, I. Uh, why is it only me that believes in honesty? And like I've searched all the darkest minds to try and find out where you lie. He's he's after something. He's chasing a um, he's chasing an ideal on this album, and I think what that's what it's about. And it may be a it may be a person, or it just might be some sort of ideal of human behavior, or um, um, just wanting to be wanting people to be better. I'm not sure, but he's he's it's a critique. The the, enti- the lyrics are all critiques of 
someone or <laughs> or some kind of behavior. Mm-hmm. Or, so, or it could be directed for it, it could be saying he could be self critiquing or or he could be after he could be going after the guitar player like Rob suggested. <laughs> <laughs> could be like a very genteel British uh, Jello Biafra. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So now we get into the, the the third instrumental on this record, and this is my favorite of the three instrumentals, uh, "Crucifix Heaven." I don't know, just something about this one really does something for me. It's got again, it's got the Spanish feel to it. It does. It's got the uh, uh, like it's the soundtrack mm-hmm. to like a, a, a it's bullfight like a movie. It's got, yes, yeah. It's yeah. Like a right, vibe. right. Uh, really cool though. Really, really nice. And uh, I like the instrumentals because it breaks up. Because honestly. By this point in the record, he gets, he basically, Lawrence sings a lot of the same two, he fluctuates between he the does. same two notes he over does. and over again, I mean, so it yeah, gets to be kind I, of yeah. samey. It you does, know? you're right, it does, there is a sameness and a mid, the tempos are all sort of, they're mid-tempo right, rockers, right. and the idea is generally sort of the same. Um and I, I agree with you on that. Yeah, but, the, but 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 that's why the instrumentals are nice because they kind of break that they up. They do, and if you like the sound, it's it's enjoyable. But I could see where you could. Yeah, uh, if it was uh, ten songs all with Lawrence singing all ten songs, it would be too much. It would be too much. <laughs> yeah, it would. Yeah, definitely. Right. It's all that. It's all that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Lawrence, if you hear this, we, yeah. apo- we apologize. No, for we, our we're insolence. not. Criti- it's just your style, but, you know, it, it gets annoying. You're going to do somebody, <laughs> but you're only going yourself. Right. It's Lou Reed. It, it's a very Lou Reed thing. I mean, Lou Reed made a career basically he doing did, that. He did, but. He mixed it up a bit. I, maybe, I guess. I don't but know. The, but this is Lawrence doing. He's from talk- New York. Maybe a New Yorker can do it, but a guy from England can't. Well, it's Lawrence doing. He's doing. <laughs> If you just imagine that, imagine Tom Verlaine singing these songs, and it it does all make sense. He really, my understanding was he really, really worked. Yeah, that Tom was Verlaine. his. Yeah, that was his thing. Like uh, that was his reason to do his, all of this. Was his, from Tom exactly Verlaine, yeah. was Tom Verlaine, which is kind. Of, it's a weird. It's a weird it's uh, a thing, thing to, to grab it. onto, right? I agree. <laughs> as great as Tom Verlaine in television was, it's still weird. It's odd. And uh, speaking of weird, we get to a song called "Dismantled, Dismantled King, King." Is off the throne. <laughs> I love this song. This one, um, uh, <laughs> the first four lines are incredible. I was feeling desperate, unable to decide between a life of misery or awful suicide. <laughs> now, that could be a Smith's, uh, that could it be could. Morrissey. That could be a Morrissey lyric could, right there. Yeah. yeah. But he wouldn't sing it like Morrissey would sing it differently. Oh, of course. <laughs> it, would be, it would be, you know, it would be much more. I was more. feeling more desperate. <laughs> Um, what do you think, Holly? Yeah. You tried to get in there and we cut you off. No, I just said, never mind. It was a... <laughs> oh, I thought there was a, a dismantled king is off the throne. There's nothing left. If you stand on your head too long, then you'll just run out of breath. You're trying too hard, but that's too bad. Um, because your voice is always sad. It, I... Who? What? Who in the hell is he talking about on this one? Now, now, Holly, let me ask you. Like now, you you listen to it, and you and you and you listen to the words as someone your age. But when you when you first were listening to this in the mid '80s, you were a teenager, basically. So, what were you really digging into the lyrics more? Well, like, did the did the lyrics speak to you at all, or was it mainly just the the, the music, the, 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 the sound, sound and you know, and, and the feeling of? I it? mean, I don't really remember except for I think you know the only lyrics that kind of. Big 
in my head is, is, is something that I, it seems like maybe they made an impression on me then, was probably in some way based on Golden Glow, like yeah, probably yeah. talking where he talks about um, you're reading from a season in hell, and yeah. I don't remember if that, if I was already aware of Arthur Rimbaud yeah. in life, but I, I might have, I very well might have been, because right. I got into that stuff pretty early on, but... Um, um, yeah, he definitely. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I, back, I was a really big fan um, in 1985. I was a big fan of this Mortal Coil, yeah. uh, the Cocker Twins. Yeah. I liked Secure. I liked a lot of dark, darker stuff. And so, you know, kind of lyrics about suicide, suicide which is sort of like... Right up your alley. Which is there. In your yeah. wheelhouse. Well, I mean, I really... I really I really did like a huge variety of music, and it's really one thing that I'm really, I'm really happy for that I did get into such a big variety of music then, you know. Right. Because um, I was, I was also into stuff like I loved Fun Boy Three and Essentials, yeah. and I loved uh, the Style Council, and I liked the Smiths. I liked, um, you know, I liked a lot of synth pop, synth stuff. I mean, there really was. Um, there really, really was a, 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 an embarrassment of riches in the 80s, which I think tends yeah, there to was. get it does get it, you're right it does and I've, as you go back to reinvestigate that stuff it's I've and which I've done lately um, there's a lot of stuff that was really great that you kind of at the time were like eh that was just you know eh whatever well we're gonna right. have well yeah, yeah. it's uh, and it's actually was was great and it's sort of been forgotten some of it has to do I think with 80s the 80s production values the music Sounds very much of oh, the yeah. '80s. Yeah, so much of it does. Yeah, it's like they got they got this drum sound. They said, "Okay, this is going to be the drum sound we're going to use for every right. every record we do." Exactly. Right. And um, so, if you once you're used to that, and you can overlook or even become, frankly, in my case, sort of get to like it, which is a little perverse. Yeah. But I do listen to some of these records and um, enjoy the hell out of them right. in a way that I didn't at the time because I was already into like sort of the more. You know the heavier raw. Well, the Sonic Youth, Minuteman, Husker Du. That you know, I was already into that, and so you have to sort of eschew this. It's a totally different vibe. It's a totally different vibe. Both great, but it's just totally. different. It's completely different. All right, now let's get into song number nine. We're uh, we're at Crystal Ball. Yep. And uh, I feel like he's singing like either to or about himself. I feel like when he he sounds like this song, he's singing to someone, but he's really sort of singing about himself. When he says, uh, suppose someone said to you, your life's through, or you just got one more chance left to live, which would you choose? You'd, you'd run to your mother to help you decide. <laughs> we might as well all just stay in our rooms until we die. <laughs> That's got to that be one. him, right, yeah. though? That's got to be him. Yeah, I think this one's so <laughs> Yeah, there, there is something, there is something like about Morris. So I think part of why he's a much more appealing cynic than, than Morrissey. Yes. And may, and. And it's hard, I have to think back, because at the time, you know, when this myth came out, I mean, I really got into um, the first album. The first fifth song I was in that I liked was um, The Hand That Locks the Cradle. Uh-huh. So it was maybe their first album. But um, now, you know, because now I know too much about Morrissey. And what yeah, it's, unfortunately. It's true. It ruins it. But, it's, a, it's a shame, though, because he did a lot of great music, though. But even from that perspective, there is something about uh, Warrens that seems disarmingly childlike. Yes, 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 yes. Yep. 
He didn't have the. He, I mean, he wasn't. He didn't have the sort he of foot spot. in some respect. Yeah. He lacked guile. I, I, I think so. you're. I think you're right. It, it, I think that's probably true. Where to be a rock star, you have to be. You have to have a certain like arrogance, and he could. You could tell he would like. He was. He aspired to have it, but he didn't. He, he didn't, didn't have no, it in him. I don't him. think so. He didn't have it no. in him for that. No. He's an, you know, a little too meek. Probably a little too. That's what it comes across in the live videos. There's some footage from Spanish TV of a live show from around the time this record came out, and that's what comes across as a very kind of a shrinking t- violet, t- 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 yeah. timid, and the band is very, uh, um, very sort of. Uh, uh, <laughs> they all look like they don't really want to be there. I would say that's yeah. <laughs> well, they weren't friends. They weren't. They weren't one of these bands. Right, they right, yeah, yeah. They're the they're people. quoted as saying that, yeah, we, we were not friends, <laughs> which is kind of sad. It's, it's really funny. It's really funny. I read this thing that that it was just odd how this. I guess Morris had um, met Morris, and they didn't. And, and Morris was just appalled at how little Lawrence knew about music, and they was like, oh, "I just can't do anything with that." And then later, Lawrence approached him again about forming a band, and then they they ended up forming Fettle. But he claims that he had to that Lawrence was completely unmusical, and he had to teach him every single thing. Wow! Play guitar and all I could see that. I could see that. And He's not a very musical singer, so right. But later on, there's a um, two albums down the road that they got an organist, right? And then I, I'm assuming that's Lawrence playing guitar. Yeah, and it is because the other guy was gone by the right. By the, and it very much bells the, 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 the hallmark of uh, uh, Morris D. Bank. It sounds as if it could be him. Right. So obviously Lawrence figured out how to play. Learned, like he that. learned some stuff from him definitely. Well, because he loved he loved television, so he probably liked that dual guitar thing. So he probably as, uh, as right. it went on, he probably aspired to become a better guitar. Player. I, I would I think so because it, it comes across. Yeah. And then the final song on the album, Whirlpool Vision of Shame. <laughs> they, they all have great titles, I'll tell you. They all have great titles. Yeah. And uh, uh, this song, see, this song fools you because the intro makes you think, oh, finally, this is a different vibe, different sound. They have an intro, and then it's not. And then it goes into basically their, you right, know. It's their, basically their, the felt sound of this album. The felt yeah. sound of this album, right. Yes. Exactly, exactly. Um, the sky at 630, the rain is falling and the sky is like a yellow balloon. I was waiting for the revolution and the Mexican sundown blue. And if you won't say it now, then nothing will be said. And if you won't die of shame, then I'll die instead. It's great. So. Oh, Lawrence. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I was kneeling by the oh burning bush and the sea was a bed of flames. And I was reading from the book of Naomi and the whirlpool vision of shame. Now, I don't know what the book of Naomi is. Anybody? Clues? Mm-hmm. Isn't that in the Bible? I don't know if there's a book. Of, I don't is think there's a book the of Naomi. No, I don't. doesn't ring a I bell. I haven't read the Bible in like 30, 40, 40 well, you, years. You better get on it. You better get on that. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and times are coming. That's right. Uh, okay. Apparently, she's in the book of Ruth, but she's a character in the Bible. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. there you go. See, don't argue with the... Uh, with an Orlando girl. Yeah, well, I, I mean, it could be, but I don't. there's no actual book of Naomi. There's a book of Ruth, and Naomi's in there. Right. But I don't know, a whirlpool vision of shame. I gotta, mm. you gotta check that out. Um, <laughs> he's, and he, but he does manage to, this dream, dark, 
not nightmarish, but dark, dreamlike, evocative imagery mm-hmm. is, and I, it is haunting. It does sort of get at you, and because I've listened to this record I'm, a lot of times this week, um, and and I do that with more some with more you know with some episodes I spend a lot more time with the albums than I do, and this one I spend a lot of time with this record, and it does, although it's there's some saminess to it, it does create its own sort of little universe of um yes it's own it's i'll admit that self-sufficient work of art you it know? is but by the honestly by the end of it i've had my fill of lawrence <laughs> <laughs> right i mean it's great yeah i have to be a certain i'll definitely let's do it again i gotta be in a certain mood but yeah a little lawrence goes a long way for me yeah for sure but i you know i think that i feel that the same way about barry a lot of times <laughs> It stayed with me in a way a lot of other 80s music did. You know? right. I agree. Especially, especially from that particular time period, you know, because when you're when you you have this music that you that you listen to as a teenager, it you know it brings up a lot of it's like oh god I was so awkward then and I was a yes. hundred times more awkward because I had yellow hair and I was just sound, you know. Yeah. Um. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. Something about it has, you know, something about it stays with you. And, and one of the things I think is it's kind of hard to put your finger on. It doesn't really sound like anything else. You know, You're it has right. a lot of elements. It right. Does. Yeah, no, that's true. You know, definitely. Right. You elements. Can kind but, of put yeah. it in. You can kind of go, okay, somebody who listens to Echo and the Bunnymen would also listen to this. And, you know, I speaking from experience because I was a big Echo and the Bunnymen fan. Yeah, me yeah. too. I, me too. Uh, and, um, you know, even like a little bit of like the saw kind of in some of the melodicness. Yes. Um, yeah. But it's not that. You know what I mean? Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's, it's its own right. thing. And it's, it's not, and it's also, it's not really jangle pop. It's not really like that R.E.M. type of no, um, no. sound. But it's also not like, it's not really goth. No, it's not. It's definitely not goth. It's dark without being goth. It's dark in a sort of... Uh, unusual and uh, that's the thing it's it's hard to quantify what makes them and there are other yeah. records there are they have other records that are just as interesting uh, as this album um, but and, they're different but they're, uh, they're quite different. different yeah they're, yeah, they're definitely they're wildly say, different but it's weird because I definitely like the first three albums probably the Ancestor Beauty Splendor Fear and this one yeah Definitely, I remember listening to them back then. And I still have this, um, Strange Idols, I still have the LP. I mean, I have the LP that I bought whenever in 1985. Oh, wow, you still have it. It looked good for you. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. All right. um, I lost my train of thought. Um, I lost my train of thought completely. That's okay. I have the Jeopardy. I use the Jeopardy theme music when that happens. I have. Oh, you ran out of gas. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's all right. I think we. I think we said just about as all you could say about the strange idle pattern and other short stories. I felt. Um, Thank you very much, Holly. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Bring us out. Go. Dun 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 dun. Are you there? Go for it. Yeah, what do you want me to do? Tell, say what you were going to say. <laughs> I was never really, they were not on my radar at, all, at radar at all after this album. The later felt didn't 
register on my radar at all. Really? Even the the next record that had that that had that hit though, that 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 song, Primitive Painters. Maybe, maybe that one, maybe that song, but right, right. But that was it. You you were done with that. That was it. And yeah, well, I just you know, I guess I just moved on to other types of music. I mean, in '87, I moved to New York, and I was. I don't know. It's just a different type of different yeah. music. So, yeah. So, the, so myself is the felt of the first three albums up until you know maybe around '85. Okay. After, yeah. So anyway. They they um, I well I really enjoyed this episode. I really enjoyed this album. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah. It was yes. Really thank fun. you, Holly. And if you ever and if you ever decide to make a trip down to. Uh, South Florida, let us know, and we'll have you on the we'll have you on the show in person. And so we'll when, all, yeah, and we'll, all, we'll listen to another Felt record. We'll we'll drink wine and we'll be uh, sad and depressed. <laughs> um, all right, so next week we Absolutely. got we have our um, we have our live uh, thing again at Laser Wolf is right. coming up again next week. And uh, Rob's favorite artist oh God, is being covered I can't next week. We're doing this. Well, we're our guest is Jesse Small from the great local band called Milk Spot. Yes. and Jesse for some reason picked. Uh, Frank Zappa. Which, he does have some fans, Rob, so... No, I know he does. Although, he does have... I've noticed people commenting. He does also have a lot of people that hate don't guts. like that. Yeah, hate him, so. that's true. It, but it's going to be fun. Well, what record great. are we doing? Apostrophe. We're doing Apostrophe by Frank Zappa. But it'll be fun. It no matter live. what, it'll be fun. It's in a uh, bar. Live, yeah, there'll be beer, so it'll be awesome. So that's next week, uh, Wednesday... September 20... Uh, <laughs> I think 26, something, maybe. Uh, whatever Wednesday is. But uh, that'll be at Laser Wolf. And um, thank you again, Holly. And once again, this is That Record Got Me High. Don't forget, check out our Patreon.com, T-R-G-M-H. Uh, our website, ThatRecordGotMeHigh.com. Check us out on Facebook, whatever. You know, we're all over the place. We're becoming huge. All right, that's Barry Stock. <laughs> that's Rob Belbo. Thank right. you, and thank you again, Holly. Thanks, Holly. We'll, we'll see you, see you next week. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. You might not believe this little fellow, but it'll cure your asthma too. <laughs>